the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. Screw the fear and just just take that next step forward. Whatever it is, just believe that thing you've been thinking in your head for the last six months that you know you can do, go ahead and do it. Don't worry about, you know, the bad parts of it. You'll learn from your mistakes. So just believe in yourself and make it happen because I believe in you. Run your law firm the right way. This is the Maximum Liar Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson. Everything's good. It's a nice Tuesday. Been working out every morning, feeling good. Um, having some great conversations with some of our Maximum Lawyer Guild members and regular members, and I'm really glad to have our guests on today. Yeah, it's uh, over the last, I don't know, week and a half, I've had a lot of conversations with Guild members and non-Guild members. Um, it's just really interesting, all the bright, awesome people that are in the group. It's really kind of cool. It really is. Um, do you want to introduce our guest? Our guest today is Bobby B. Buchanan. He's the owner and founder at Joint Custody Advocates. It's a firm in Chicago, Illinois. Bobby, welcome to the show. What's up, guys? Thank you. All right, Bobby. So you you know the routine by now. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how, how you got to where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so where do I start? I feel like I've told my about myself or my story in many different contexts, many different times. Um, I'm originally from the Bay Area. I've been in Chicago for about 10 years. I grew up in a really small town just north of San Francisco with about 2,000 people. I grew up in a dirt road, and my mom still lives in the same house that I was uh, physically born in. Um, And so about 10 years ago, I came here for law school. I wanted to live in a big city. I'd done some uh, traveling before internationally, lived abroad internationally for um, a couple years. And so I just had the itch again, came here for uh, for law school. After law school, thought I wanted to be a public defender, did want to be a public defender, uh, but they did not want me to be a public defender. I didn't get the job. I started working for a criminal defense attorney who also had um, a couple divorce and custody cases. So I got a taste of that. And then, I don't know, maybe 11 months into that, 
I realized I was getting paid like 40,000 a year as a 1099. And I was like, you know, if I get like two or three cases, I could probably be making more money than I am now. Um, so I cut bait and um, I, at the time, a friend of mine, colleague was also in the same position. And a week earlier, I had read a blog by Lee Rosen talking about not having a partner and why having a partner is a horrible idea. And I completely ignored that, although it was top of mind. And I decided to jump off the cliff with this friend of mine. And uh, we were together for, I don't know, maybe 15 months or so. And then I realized what Lee was talking about, or I kind of did immediately. But 15 months later, I uh, pulled the trigger again and split the partnership up and started my own practice. So that was, I don't know, maybe four, five years ago, something like that. And uh, here we are today. Uh, I have a practice of myself right now and uh, three staff members. So kind of an office manager, a paralegal, and then a law clerk who will be an associate come November, knock on wood. She passes the bar in October. Bobby, talk to us about when you first opened up your firm with your partner, how that went, and then how your uh, mindset shifted as far as going out on your totally totally on your own. You know, it was tough. We both didn't have, I think we were both like a year out of law school, and we didn't have a book of business. We both didn't really have organic networks either. I mean, he was from here or at least kind of the suburbs of here. Um, I'm not from here, so I don't really have any community connections organically. Um, and I've lived in the heart of the city my entire um, time here. So building community connections hasn't been too easy for me. So when I started, when we started, I kind of knew about digital marketing. I knew about PPC. Um, and so I said, Hey, let's give this a shot. I think we can make the phone ring today if we need to. We didn't have any money either. So we got a credit card and we just started putting ads on, uh, you know, AdWords on our credit card. And it was pretty darn stressful. Um, uh, we were in debt right away. Uh, we did get the phone to ring. We did get some cases every month. It was like, you know, can we pull out enough to pay our bills and to pay down the credit card and to squeak by? So it was just like really a grind and really stressful. And I think actually the hardest part about having a partner in that respect, it was a double-edged sword. Like we would come in and we'd be so stressed with each other and we were pretty good friends. So we would like talk about and therapize and like try to commiserate over how stressed we were. But it was somewhat of a vicious cycle, I think, that didn't keep us focused and our eyes, uh, you know, 100 miles ahead and, and kind of focused on one goal. After a few months, I just started to realize that I was focused on getting the phone ringing. I was focused on, you know, trying to get the work done and billing, but I didn't feel like we were aligned in our vision. And I remember distinctly actually being home um, in, in Bolinas, my hometown near San Francisco, and being on the beach. I think I was talking with my mom and having a conversation about it. And it was just one of those moments where I was removed enough from the whole situation to go, I have to end this 
before I'm five years down the road and it's even harder. Um, and I just realized, you know, I'm, I'm in control of my own future here. I want to be completely in control of it. Uh, there might have been a safety net there a little bit when we first decided to go out on our own um, or go out with each other. I think it was like, okay, let's just jump off this cliff together. And once I learned that I could swim um, or doggy paddle, if you will, I I was just like, I want to do this on my own. So that's that's kind of where it changed. So Bobby, you sent us a pretty, I'd say a pretty detailed list of what's going on in your life. And you've got a child coming in November. I think it's your first child. And yeah. So you, but you're also in this growth mode, it seems like, um, which is high risk. So you want to talk yeah. about just your mindset, kind of what's going going through your head right now when it comes to all that? Yeah. You know, um, just super duper excited. I mean, obviously, you guys have kids. Uh, you, you've been there. I, I don't even know how to wrap my mind around it and, and really talk about it because I think it's just so overwhelming to think about bringing another human being into the world and uh, just how amazing and special that is. So that's kind of what everything is leading up to. Actually, my wife and I are going to our week 28 appointment uh, this afternoon. So it's, it's getting close and she's going to be stopping working. Uh, once that happens and probably won't go back to work because she's a vet tech in Chicago and uh, it just doesn't make sense from a financial standpoint for us to pay $2,000 a month for daycare for her to work full time when she's really being a mom is really what she wants to do. And that's been part of our plan the whole time is that I would be the, the breadwinner and, and she would do most of the heavy lifting as far as raising a family and so that's you know it's a it's a lot of uh it's a lot of fucking stress pardon my language but it's it's definitely you feel the weight of going okay this is this is really happening can i do this and can i grow this firm at the same time in the way that i want to so that we can pay off our student loans you know i got about two hundred thousand dollars in student loans she's got another seventy grand. We want to go buy a house in the suburbs and, you know, get together a down payment for that. And I'm hopefully going to add two or three associates to my practice in the next six months or so. I mean, that's where my mind is at as far as building this practice. And so I feel like there's a there's a healthy amount of uh, fear in front of me of like, can I do this? Is this possible? What happens if I mess up? What have you know? What what are the worst case scenarios here? And trying you know not to be sucked in by thinking about worst case scenarios, but just just going for it and um, taking risks in that way. Appointment week twenty eight appointment is today. That means you are getting close. You got a couple months left. Hopefully um, everything goes well. I'm sure it will. Bobby, when the baby comes, man, there's just a year and a half where your mind is in a fog. Like you sort of think yeah. it's real life, but it's sort of not like real life. It's just that sleep deprivation, the, you know, you're, you're torn with your time. How are you going to, how are you going to hire three associates in the next six months? I mean, do you have that kind of a growth uh, already occurring? I have, I'm not so much worried about getting the clients. 
Like I've done been doing digital marketing enough now where I feel like it's a matter of just turning on the faucet and I have enough pieces in place. Like I have a pretty good funnel where uh, I have an intake person who's outsourced and she's handling all the front end of uh, getting leads on the phone. And I have a um, paid consult model where I'm not dealing too much with people taking my time in that respect. So I feel like I have all the pieces in place right now where I can, if I just turn up the volume a little bit on investing in the marketing, that'll assist in being able to get the clients that I need. I don't know. To answer your question, frankly, I don't know. And I know that I'm going to be in such a different mind state when this baby comes. I don't know what I don't know. And um, I have to just have faith in myself and be optimistic that this is possible. Um, and I'd rather set the bar higher than I can get to. And maybe, you know, I know I'm going to have one because she already accepted the offer. You know, if I end up and only have two in the next six months, I'll be okay with myself. But three is ideal. But I don't know. I mean, and, and your guys' insight is, is invaluable. I mean, anything that you want to kind of just, pep talk me here or let me know what you have kind of learned from scaling your own firms or, or you know, bringing on associates and, and kind of the most challenging part. I'm all ears to that. And, well, you, you know, go ahead. Sorry, Bobby. I, I, want to, cause I, want to, I want to sort of dive into this because we only have a limited amount of time and I, I want to make sure we dive into it and we may have hit a, an issue. So I love the growth mindset. I think it's fantastic. But I want to make sure you're having people do things that they should be doing. I mean, are you are you going to be hiring these lawyers to do administrative work, or are they going to be doing real legal work? What are you going to be having these three associates doing? Oh, they're going to be going to court. I mean, I'm so my practice is I have like probably two to five cases up every morning at the Daily Center, which is a block and a half from my office. So as soon, like, I think that once I have two associates, that'll be the place where I can scale back and only be doing, you know, maybe 20% of the work that I'm doing now. Um, my goal, my goal would be ideally my next associate after the one that's going to be, you know, uh, the brand new associate. And then the next one I, I envision being someone who has about five years or so doing this exact work with, in front of these judges, et cetera, and, and can assist in managing the other one. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's my thought on it, at least. I mean, I want them to hit the ground running the next one I get as much as possible. But I know that there's going to be a period of probably six months or so where I got to get them tuned in with how I run things. All right. So a couple of things. I mean, so I started my firm in 2007. I had a two-year-old, a four-year-old and a five-year-old. So it was different, but I, and I certainly wasn't established like you are now. So I think it's interesting. I think it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, you got to remember though, that just like the babies don't know, how to do anything. The new attorneys aren't going to know how to do anything. I mean, you, you don't, don't expect that they're going to be as gung ho and as um, dive all in like you were as a new attorney. It's just, it yeah. really, it really takes a long time to get them up and running uh, 
um, and probably longer than you think. I mean, one nice thing is you might be able to do them all at the same time. I mean, Tyson would probably say, you know, make sure that whatever lessons you're doing, you record all that stuff so you can make it easier the next time. But having two to do it at the same time, that might be nice because they'll learn together. You'll be able to to teach them things together. And I think that part will be good. But I think you got to be careful about overestimating how fast you can get them up to speed. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's um, I would rather do it. And I, I mean, I feel like my entire kind of career, if you will, has been um, an exercise in just making the jump and uh, making the mistakes and picking up the pieces. You know, I'm um, I'm a big I'm a huge believer in being able to create any sort of life that you want um, and being self-determining and being able to take responsibility for where you're at and your lot in life and being able to change things and get to the next step. So I've been thinking, like I've been thinking about wanting to do this for, um, I feel like a couple years and, and recently it's like, I'm just going, it's time to just cut it out and just move forward. Just pull the trigger, hire this next associate, turn on the marketing a little higher, and uh, let's see if we can make this happen and and learn from there. Uh, because if I don't, I feel like I'll be trapped in this place for another five years where I'm going, I think I can do bigger things. I think I can make this firm more you know, uh, impactful and successful and profitable, but I'll never be trying anything. So I'm kind of like, fuck it, let's do it. Maybe a little you haphazard know, for when a baby's coming, but uh, I that's just where my head's at. Hey, man, go for Brooke, baby. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm good with it. So here, it's, it's interesting, because I, I, I think this can be done. I've seen other lawyers do it, especially criminal defense. I think one of the biggest, my biggest concerns would be is that with you hiring three new lawyers so quickly, you're basically giving them all your cases or the majority of your cases. Um, if a couple of them choose to leave, that could have half your cases could go out the door right right away. That'd be one concern, but you can probably put it in fail safe. But I don't know how if you look at um, salary versus giving them a, a percentage of what you bring in versus what they bring in. But I've seen some, some lawyers successfully. What they'll do is not give a salary, but if they do give a salary, it's a very low base salary. And yeah. then give, and then say, okay, you get a certain percentage of anything you bring in, and I'll give you a, a, and it's a, and you give them a pretty high percentage of what you bring in. So they work on it, but you give them a pretty big chunk of it, like like 50 to 65 percent. I mean, it's, yeah. I've seen people do that, and they actually had some success with it. So have you thought about those models? Yeah, I definitely have, and um, I'm not opposed to that. And and the last time I, when I was negotiating um, salary with my law clerk, who's about to be an associate, when we were kind of a, negotiating the associate package, I was um, I offered to her a lower base salary and uh, you know a percentage of work that she brought in, and um, she wasn't she wasn't into it just because she was a new attorney um and she was like i don't want to work i don't want to worry about having to bring in business i'd rather just have a higher salary and so 
that was fine. You know, I, we, we found a salary that was reasonable for both of us and, and workable, but the models you're talking about definitely appeal to me. I think some of the, the way to make it work or, or what I would be concerned if I was in the associate shoes is, um, wanting to make sure that the firm I'm working for had rock solid, um, collection system and a a really good marketing and sales system as well, which um, I would say I am close to having that. I mean, my collection system is, is pretty good. The marketing is, is pretty good as well, but I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of attorneys, at least in the community that I'm in, would be somewhat um, wary of that that model. That's what I would be concerned about. Um, is that you know they're not most attorneys. I feel like the good employees aren't too entrepreneurial. Like they just want to do the work, and they don't want to have to worry about you know having a commission type job. Um, but I don't know. I should probably talk to some attorneys who are doing that model and see if these ideas I have are actually true. In my experience, you're, you're dead on. Most people want to have a job. And they don't necessarily want to just come and um, punch a time clock, but it's pretty close to it. They just like to have that steady work. They don't have to worry about it, and they're not thinking about things like we are. Yeah. I, uh, I was actually talking to a colleague recently. He has two younger associates, and he was doing a, a model where he pays them you know, a base salary every quarter, and then they get basically bonus. It's a structured bonus uh, based on the number of hours they work above, you know, their minimum requirement. And both of them came to him at the end of the year when they had a meeting and were like, we don't want to do this anymore. It's too stressful. We'd rather get paid less um, in order not to have to kind of uh, meet feel like we're we have to work harder after we meet a minimum to get paid more or whatever you know like they just i feel like a lot of people and it's hard to relate to when you are the the boss or the entrepreneur or whatever that there's a lot of people that just want to get the salary and get the work done and they're motivated by different things i that's been another challenge for me is figuring out how to be a manager i mean i've never i've never been a manager in my life i i didn't grow up around professional people really and so as i brought on more staff figuring out you know how can i be a good boss how can i motivate um my people in, in the best way possible and make them feel like they're really working for a team and kind of building a culture if you will um that's something that i i I don't know if I need to do training on that or if it's just a learn by doing thing, but I feel like I'm just shooting from the hip on that one. Uh, you know, I know I know how to be a, a respectful, kind, empathetic person, but you know, that's that's about it. I really don't know anything else beyond that as far as how to be a manager. Well, do you have policies and procedures built out? Um, yes. I mean so I, I would say let me rephrase that. No, uh, we have a couple. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know about you, Jimmy. But I mean, I think that that's a big, big problem if, if you're trying to ramp up. Because the more you ramp up, 
the more you're going to need some policies and procedures in place, and you're not going to be able to do it without it because you want to be able to say, you know, once you start getting a ton of questions from these young associates, maybe maybe one or two are, are experienced, but the other one's not, you're going to want to be like, hey, go look it up in the policies and procedures. Like We use Tetra, so I say, hey, go to Tetra. And it, it, yeah. it's a huge time saver when it comes to training people, when it comes to answering questions. And whenever they've got an issue, they can just go straight there, look it up. And so I, I really think you need to start thinking about putting that in place before you start uh, going on this hiring bench. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I've, uh, I definitely, I have the, the seeds of that kind of, I've built out the framework as far as building a, a wiki for our firm. And, um, I've gotten a little bit of traction from my staff on that, but it's, it's, uh, I think I need to continually water that seed, if you will. Um, and, and get some more buy-in from, from my staff on that i mean i'm thinking about uh ryan mckean's talk at the uh the conference and just how they it sounds like he's really created a culture of getting his entire staff to to contribute to that and appreciate how valuable it is well i mean i think the and sorry jimmy if i'm cutting in but the the I think part of it is that buy-in is that they've got to know that they can contribute. And so I think if you just tell them as soon as we get off the episode, this podcast, say, send out an email to your staff and say, hey, I'd like everyone by Friday to write one page for our firm wiki. That way they know that they can because um, saying it's one thing, but requiring them to do it's another. And once they know that they can and how to do it, I think that would go a long way. And I think that's a, it's an easy way of building, starting to build the wiki anyways. Okay. Write one page on something that you do every single day, and it's pretty yeah. easy for them to do because they know how to do it, and that's the easy way to start build up that database. Yeah. All right, done. I'm going to do it. Can I uh, make a suggestion? So my question is for both of you, Tyson especially. So we have ten weeks. That baby's going to be here in ten to twelve weeks. Ten weeks. Yeah. To build out all the policies and procedures for a firm that's going to triple or double in size in the next six months. So I think that, I mean, Bobby, I really can't emphasize the clarity of mind that you have right now, you will not have for the next 18 months after that baby comes. All yeah. of your best, all the best thinking you're going to do over the next two years is going to be in the next 10 weeks. So yeah. I think a page a week is a really nice thing, or even a page a day. That's not it. We're, we are, we want to solidify this thing because you've got a really good thing going. We want to nail it all down in these next 10 weeks. And we need to it, we need to sprint from now until that baby's here because you'll never get that clarity of mind back. <laughs> Let's do it. I, I, th I think that's a great idea. And, you know, when I think through policies and procedures, I think the biggest thing, like the biggest hurdle that I have is identifying the policies and the procedures that already exist in some form, like they're not fully fleshed out and there are ways that we do things and ways that I like things to be done. And like, maybe I'm overcomplicating it. Um, and, and maybe you guys can kind of break it down or simplify as to how, uh, what's the best way to kind of take that, that knowledge that's in our collective heads and getting it on paper as far as a step-by-step -step or just, you know, getting it down. I mean, what would you guys say as far as the, 
would you say one is it more important to do policies and procedures like the and I know we're talking about you got to get everything down but the legal work itself like how to work up a case or the administrative stuff you know where what do you think is the priority in your uh, experience I think administrative stuff hands down I think that that's the stuff like the nuts and bolts stuff because the legal stuff you're going to want to expand on, on that at some point but the legal stuff that for the most part stuff that has been ingrained in them in law school and through and through practicing and so right. some of that will come to them and then some of that's already in them but the nuts and bolts of like how to work your system so like a, you know think of it think of your your systems like a car you know like how do you drive this freaking car the rest of it is you know the legal stuff's more like the roadway they know how they know how to maneuver the the roadway but it's right. using that actual car, operating that vehicle. How do you how do you operate that new Tesla? Because um, they've never driven a, an electric car before. So how do they drive that actual model vehicle? I think that that's what you need to focus on. I don't I don't know like what you think, Jimmy, but I think that that's where you should focus when it comes to, oh, it comes to the, the policies and procedures. Here's what I would do. I would find the person in your office who knows the most about your firm as far as the administrative stuff, and I would put them in charge and say, look, we have ten weeks. You're going to build out with the rest of the team all the policies and procedures for the firm, for the administrative stuff. What I'm going to do is I'm going to record every single thing that I do for the next 10 weeks. You talked about going two blocks to the daily center. I'm going to talk about how you go to the daily center. I'm going to, t I'm going to record how to talk to a clerk in the in chambers, how to get things done, how to, how to negotiate this problem or that problem. I'm going to record Bobby for the next 10 weeks. You record you and the rest of the firm for the next 10 weeks. And then we're going to document the crap out of it based off our recording. I love it. Uh, this is getting me excited. Um, my, because uh, I'm thinking about my office manager Gloria, who is fantastic. She's amazing. I, I feel like I struck gold with her because she's 70 years old. She's been doing this for 40 years, and she is probably the most energetic person in my office. And the, the day I hired her, she was reading in between the lines when I was seeing her on emails, and I feel like she is the number one perfect person for this so i'm going to sit down with her today and uh tell her the action plan for what we're going to get done so this is this is awesome all right well i think this is this was a good call it was an unusual call but i mean desperate times come for desperate measures and i'm very excited about the baby coming but man we got to get some things done before that kid gets here yeah absolutely uh, well, I'm not a usual kind of guy, so I wouldn't expect any less. You guys have been, you know, awesome. I'm so glad to be part of the community and kind of continuing, seeing what I can do to help everybody and just, you know, staying in touch with you guys. Perfect. All right. This is a, I think this is a natural stopping point. So before I wrap things up, I want to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group. I was just looking uh, before eight o'clock, there were seven people that had posted new messages on the Facebook group. So it's, it's already hopping. There's a lot of activity every single day, so get involved there. Um, if you don't mind, just taking a couple of minutes, go into Apple uh, Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and give us a five-star review. It helps spread the word. I can't stress that enough. So if you'll go on there, give us a five-star review. It means a lot to us. Jimmy, what is your hack of the week? So I've been spending a lot of time lately thinking about the after unit and Tyson and I are going to record an episode on the after unit. We think, I think it's the neglected um, stepchild of 
marketing and of what we do and what we talk about. But what I mean specifically is, is that our clients love us the most the day they hire us. And everything we do after that is often a disappointment. And how can we build that connection after they've hired us to make us inseparable, how to make us their hero, how to make us their guide? And I'm really going to spend some time thinking about the things that we do in the office that repel them after they hire us and that make them love us after we hire us. So I really encourage everyone to spend a little bit of time thinking not so much about how do I get the next client, but how do I make the ones that I already have uh, love us and want to do business with us some more. Good stuff. I love it. All right, Bobby, what is your tip or hack of the week? My tip of the week is um, to believe in yourself and to screw the fear and just just take that next step forward, whatever it is, just believe that thing you've been thinking in your head for the last six months that you know you can do, go ahead and do it. Don't worry about, you know, the bad parts of it. You'll learn from your mistakes. So just believe in yourself and make it happen because I believe in you. Great stuff. I love it. All right. So this, this sort of my tip relates to what Jimmy was talking about, how whenever people love you the most, whenever they hire you. So We've built in two surveys. Um, one is a during unit, during unit survey, and then one's an after unit survey. And what we do is uh, we give a survey in the first couple of weeks, um, right after they've hired us, you know, asking how, how well the firm's communicating with you, professionalism of the firm, responsiveness of the firm, trustworthiness, confidence, and then how invested you feel we are in your case, uh, what we're doing well, what we can do better, and then we also asked the question, have we done enough to earn a five-star Google review from you at this point? They say yes, we give them details on how to give that Google review. Um, it's a good way of getting that review early and sort of locking them in. Um, and so that's a good way. And then we've got one at the end, the afternoon. But the tip is to add that early survey. The one, you know how they're feeling about the firm, but also you can increase your Google reviews pretty easily by doing it early. So. That is my tip of the week. Bobby, hopefully you've gotten a lot out of this. It's been a lot of fun just kind of uh, you know, talking back and forth and talking through everything. So thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Loved it. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks, Jen. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your hosts and to access more content, go to MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.